Gentlemen, start your engine. Good afternoon, radio. For those who don't know, radio hotner. Thanks for coming and making time. It's on everybody's mind. For those who don't know, there's a big shebang. Sorry about that. Sorry, my little uh, um, um, technical goodies. Radio hotner. Oh, cheers, boys. Cheers. Cheers. G'day viewers, episode 25.5 of Radio Hot Lab. We're going to do a little bit uh, of a different uh, agenda this week. Rather than actually do a show from the backyard or wherever we are with JP, we're just going to let the, the Bathurst legends and the V8 Ute drivers who are competing at the Bathurst International Motor Sport Festival at Mount Panorama talk to you from the press conference and from the RSL function in the evening. There's a fair few laughs and uh, I think you'll enjoy that and also enjoy not having to hear from us. Directly after Easter on the Wednesday we'll be doing episode 26 and let me just quickly run down who was attending this inaugural event where we took 10 utes to the mountain and paired up the regular drivers with 10 legends of Bathurst fame. Greg Willis was joined by Bob Holden, Jack Ellsgood joined up by Andrew Beniki, Marcus Zakanovic with David Skippy Parsons, the Tasmanian. Nandy Kiss is joined by veteran Graham Moore. Matt O'Grady is paired up with Kevin Bartlett. Damien White is now paired up with Neil Crompton. And Neil Crompton replaces Bo Seaton, who, after initially driving Damien's car, felt it was a little bit difficult to get to the brake pedal. The, uh, the seating position was not quite right for him, and he was also spending a fair bit of time driving historic cars, and rather, rather than risk um, any mishaps, decided to bow out gracefully on that one and uh, let Neil Crompton hop into the car. James Brock is paired up with uh, Gary Rogers, and Gary Rogers definitely can tell a good story, so make sure you listen to that bit. Scott Jennings with Wayne Rogerson, and Giannis Caviar-Derrams matched up with Don Holland. Hope you enjoy it. Look forward to seeing you in a week's time. Uh, episode 26. I've had a bit of a quiet stint for the last five years, but uh, I'd like to try and get back and uh, 
prove yourself and see if I can uh, get myself in there. But uh, yeah, look, it's it's fantastic. I Gary Rose, all these all these guys here, and uh, PB and and uh, Moffat. I was always a, a Ford fan, raced Holmes, raced Ford, so you know it was it was good. But I never ever thought I'd, I'd have the opportunity to, to come and have a run. And uh, like Bob Holmes said, like if I had the opportunity to get here, it's it's something that really sticks with me. We move along to Gary Rogers, who of course had a, his own career, which probably isn't as uh, highlighted as his, as his team owner career, but uh, certainly Gary had a great stint behind the wheel in, the, in, in your era, and uh, now very much a team owner around Bathurst, and great to be back here behind the wheel. I can't hear. It's been a lot of fun. I really don't regret any, well, I don't regret anything I've ever done in life, but I certainly don't regret coming here and the fun I've had here and the people I've met. And as David said, I think it's that circuit where you zoom up that hill and you get to the top and uh, you keep pushing the accelerator as hard as you can and the grass isn't far away, but you just keep doing it and you seem to get around. It's just one of these places that is just like it more than any other track that I've ever uh, driven on and certainly anything that I've even seen around the world. And you've, as we said, you've got some great memories here. The Bathurst 24-hour race is one, another one of those events which has just come on. It's, it's gone a bit now, but you've got the festival here. Um, no doubt you're looking look to be a part of the festival for, for several years and really reminiscing of, of those days gone by. Well, I think it's a, a credit to the people that have stuck their neck out to do this because clearly there'd be a lot of money being invested in this and I think the council's obviously got behind it. And I mean, I think motorsport needs these types of activities to generate. It's okay to get out there in the supercar scheme today with all the hype about it, but without the grassroots of motor racing that's been created by this place and a lot of the people and other tracks and other people, you wouldn't have the supercars today. Yes, that's certainly been echoed by a lot of people this weekend. I know Paul Morris is uh, out there, he's racing anything that he can get his hands on, um, and KB was certainly uh, nodding in appreciation of that one just a moment ago, so I'm sure the festival growth for years to come. Uh, Andrew Medici, only been a few years since you've uh, been out of the saddle here at Bathurst and uh, straight back on the pace yesterday and earning the grade price for the uh, fastest legend in the years. <laughs> oh, I think I was a bit lucky because I have driven a couple of years and uh, it wasn't that long, it was only 2003 since I was here so I probably had a bit of a leg up on the other guys. But yeah, I think it's a privilege to be able to come here and race and uh, I remember some of these guys when I was, uh, when I was a kid selling cars in uh, Rockdale, I used to come, come to go to every possible motor race. And I remember Gary Rogers, he said, always, always has a best looking girls. I'm still crying. Very crying. Very. But, uh, yeah, but no, it's, it's great. I'm, uh, I'm privileged. I feel I'm privileged to be here, and I think talking about this particular meeting, I think this, uh, uh, what, what Gary said is exactly right. There's been a big investment, and, and, uh, but the first years are always the hardest with an emphasis on historic I reckon this meeting could be, uh, could be one of the great meetings just like, uh, just like Goodwood. So uh, congratulations to people that put it on and uh, stick with it and get a few more historic cars here and I reckon it'll be a big winner. That's definitely planned and uh, moving right along. I mean, Bruce coming back to the festival, yep. Coming back to the festival after many years out of the wheel. I mean, we spoke to the guys about their, their memories of this weekend. But one of the great memories, if you just express to the, to the uh, media here, one of the great memories from your own career, what, are we, uh, what have we got there that sticks out? Is there one memory that sticks out for more than others? Well, first up, I, I, are we really at Bathurst? It's only been 33 years, isn't it? It's a change! The media center was down there, it's all gone now. We can't see the racetrack, it's quite good. Well, I started in what, 67 here and went through to 73. But the, I think the most memorable drive for me would be the last of the 500s where I was able to drive it all myself. And that was in a little rotary. So that was a, a wonderful, wonderful year. And a very nasty start, as you probably know, with all the rain. And yeah. It's been fun. That's probably a little bit before my time, but I've read, I've read the history books over the last few months and uh, yeah, I'm pretty up to speed with it all, thanks to Nardo and Will Hagen and KB and the like, been spending a lot of time on the phone, so it's been good. But this weekend's festival, I m
the, the, and, and the treatment that I've received from the Bathurst City Council and the, and the youth organisation and just the chance to get back here again has been absolutely brilliant. I'm really appreciate it. I look forward to, uh, to many more years, years of that and building that. Who knows, we could have uh, 20 youths on the grid next year and uh, 20 legends going around in the youths or uh, any other kind of stuff. I'm sure we'll battle. But uh, moving to uh, far left. David, you to say something? I'm not the oldest here. Not the oldest. Well, KB, I mean, for what those in the room, there's not many who wouldn't know about your, uh, your celebrated career, and uh, you're very much of a, a character in Australian motorsport. Um, this, not quite the oldest in the field, we know that one, but uh, certainly you're one that's very keen to uh, see this event succeed for many years. Certainly, and. Uh, as Gary has quite well pointed out, the amount of organisation, the costs and the people that have put so much work into this event, even starting and getting up, off, off the ground, has got to be commended. Uh, I've, I've raced a Bathurst in motor cars since 1957. So my years at Bathurst are, are numerous and this is the first time that I've been to this new facility and what the council has done and, and all of the people in the clubs involved and um, to put this together as a facility for once a year event seems a bit silly. Therefore, go back on the history of what Bathurst is and Bathurst is something that's been running since the 20s when it was dirt and the number of people that have raced on this circuit, they were household names in the 20s and 30s and, and, the, and the late 40s and 50s. All of those people have contributed to what Bathurst has become. Bathurst as a circuit, but Bathurst as a town, also can benefit from this Easter Carnival. We used to come here at the Easter Carnival. Uh, it wasn't called that then, it was just a weekend of racing at Easter, where we'd race, uh, We'd practice Saturday, race Sunday, and we'd move on to the new glass circuit at Orange on the Monday. But it was always something that we never wanted to miss. We always wanted to come to the mountain. It's, a, it's such a unique layout, such a unique climb and, and descend that, that's not matched in, in many parts of the world. I mean. I've never raced at Nürburgring, I've never raced at Spa. Gary has certainly raced at Spa, and I think Bob's raced at Spa. Uh, and Nürburgring. And Nürburgring. <laughs> They've got an advantage on me, but for, for us here with this, this availability of such good groundwork of, of a circuit, the pit facilities are, are the best in the country. It goes without saying. It needs to be utilised at this time of the year and utilised in the proper way from the, from the historical point of view. It would, be, it would be even better if we had a combination over the weekend of a few more older historic cars as well as what we've got. Uh, some of the parades, uh, some of the supercar drives, uh, th th that's alright. Uh, in its, in its own way, the supercar drives do their own thing. But it would be also very pleasant for a lot more historic um, ambience to occur as well, in my opinion. I could be shouted down on this quite easily, but then I'll fight back too. Um, <laughs> but that, uh, to me, that is, is, is a place that's uh, it's not necessarily the, the holy grail, but when you, when you go up Mountain Straight, the first time I went up Mountain Straight yesterday, before I had my little problem, I was alongside Gary. And Gary passed me. That was bullshit. What's the wrong He did. I just about broke him. Parting around with Gary the passed me and I thought, oh, gee, this is a lot. <laughs> I wouldn't have felt bad about that, KB. It was me. <laughs> Actually, it is the best thing for an engine man you could ever do. I didn't do, I didn't miss a gear and over rev. I missed a gear and under rev. <laughs> anyway, that, that's uh, my thoughts on that.
Well, now you've heard a little bit about their, uh, their thoughts, and anyone got any questions that I'd like to, to ask the legends um, while they're uh, sitting up here, Luke West? Uh, David, did you ever officially retire, and do you have any other aspirations to race beyond sort of the fun events like you're doing this weekend? I don't know whether I ever officially retired, I don't know whether I ever reached that. <laughs> it's all money, uh, long distance stuff like that, but uh, I've been out of it for about Ninety dollars the last time I run here, so I put my head down at home and, and uh, business-wise and stuff like that, and, uh, which perhaps I should have done. Or perhaps I shouldn't have done a lot of things, but uh, that's the way it's been. But uh, yeah, I want to get back into it, and uh, I've been lucky enough to meet Canabee and Marcus to let me have a run in the Commonwealth Cup. And the biggest, uh, well, it's a bit of a commitment. I've been relegated to P plate. Uh, which is, which, 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 there, so just get myself together and uh, get me signed, get me basic license, and uh, I can't go pushing a shovel anyone. Otherwise, I'll be forever getting signatures. <laughs> you remember that? You can't get fined at this meeting. Get fined. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Gary, general question for everyone: Last time you raced a car, Bob? Last or two weeks ago. Well, what's that? What's that? What else? This good. <laughs> Do you meet some creek last year in the Commonwealth Cup? Yes, correct. Gary? Gold Coast Indian 1991 or something. I don't know. Yeah, Oz Cup, was it? HQ Race. Oh, sorry, HQ Race in Darwin. You forgot about that. <laughs> 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 Did you get beaten in that one, by the way, Gary? Shell won that. It was easier. <laughs> <laughs> A3 here and A3 career company. Why are you still racing? Uh, yeah, Eastern Creek, uh, Mazda RX2. Hey, Eastern Creek. In? Uh, the Sublime Alpine. Okay. Yeah. 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 And that's sports car race. Right. Yeah. 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 <laughs> well, mine's pretty good. Well, a, lot of us, a lot of us come up through production racing. You, you, back in the uh, late 60s, 70s through with the Bathurst 100s and 500s, uh, Bathurst 1000s and 500s rather, they were pretty much production based. And it's virtually like back, getting back into an old Falcon or an old Holden, isn't it? The only problem with myself is that uh, I've driven little cars for an obvious reason, dollars-wise, all over these years. And, uh, this is virtually the biggest, the biggest car we've ever driven. So, for you,
Of course, just a, a note to everyone there, I believe the pit, compulsory pit stop that was 45 seconds has now been uh, changed to a compulsory stop of 60 seconds. So I'm not sure. That'll, that'll be good. And the other thing for those who uh, haven't got news, Neil Crompton is uh, taking the position of both seats uh, in, the, in the field as well. So uh, that's a slight change to the, the program, but to wish everyone all the best. And, Excuse me, Cam's rule, Cam's rule number 747A stroke Z says you can't do that. <laughs> <laughs> you need to get it signed off in, in Camboy by Cam's. Cam's rule 69396322 states that override that other rule, Gary. And that would be dead right. <laughs> and try and get someone to sign it. <laughs> thank you, guys, and all the best. All right, thank, thank you. you. Switch to Masters, then uh, Barry Seaton's Capri in 68, uh, back to an A9X which Kevin drove in 68, back in, in 69, and went back to Master Row 7s after that. Then I gave it away. Until today? No, until three years ago, and then uh, Andy Hanrice got me down at Wakefield and uh, stuck me in a form of the Ford, and I've had a form of the Ford in the story ever since. <laughs> Good on you. Don, um, you've got a magnificent record at Bathurst um, in the great race, um, particularly in, in classes. Do you remember how many you won and, and placed in? We won five classes, uh, had quite a few seconds and thirds in the classes, a uh, third outright, a fifth outright, and a fourth outright. But uh, it's, you know, we just didn't run the right car at the right time. We should have gone in the bigger class earlier and uh, didn't do it. That's why it's too, too old now. I think he's, I think it was five first in his class. I think he's had I think he had seven or eighteen starts in the great race. Would that be right? Sixty-three to to eighty-one. Okay, who's a mathematician? I <laughs> don't. Um, and he's uh, won his class five times. He finished fourth. I'm oh, sorry, finished second four times. Um, the third, I'm not sure, but but I know in, in his eighteen starts, he was no lower than sixth on twelve occasions. That's all about it. Don, it's changed a lot of motoration, hasn't it? Yeah, particularly the concrete walls up the top. <laughs> yeah, what about you saw some of the footage a while ago, the no walls. <laughs> Which would you prefer? I'd say no walls. <laughs> <laughs> right, look, we will now introduce uh, your next door neighbour there, Skippy David Parsons. Uh, I like riding. This is a Tasmanian dairy farm. It's a really good line when, you, when you're riding the yard. David, um, you you came in 1982. You first ran the Group C, big banger down at uh, at Simmons Plains. Was it 82 down there in the round of the Touring Car Championship? Yeah, I was down there myself. I was up with little little Bob Holden up the other end there, and uh, you were the star of Tasmania that weekend because no one from Tasmania had been a a, a driver competing actively in the Touring Car Championship in the in the big time then. From that point onwards, you went pretty well. You got into the Holden, Holden Racing Team. They drove with um, Peter Jansen. That must have been one hell of an experience. Yeah, yeah it was, but Captain, like, Mike hasn't learned a lot of that. And with the, uh, you won the, the great race in 87 with Peter Brock and Peter McLeod. That, that, that must have been a strange sort of situation. Well, it was really. Uh, like, on the road, we finished third. And uh, I remember distinctly on the the race day, I said to, I was hanging over the fence and Brock came over to me and said, what's wrong Skip? And I said, uh, yeah. I said there is no one over in this race for this year. He said, uh, it's not over until the last lap. And I went away and I've always thought that, no matter what it is. And um, yeah, we ended up third on the road and then we ended up getting uh, first position. But sort of taken away a little bit because uh, really we did finish third on the podium and then Mm. And that, of course, was Brock's final, final win at Bathurst. So, oh, hang on, final College 1000 victory. David, I heard up there today you may be coming back again. Yeah, I've been thinking about it. Well, I haven't thought about it. I've, I've wanted to get back 
to it, but I've had uh, business commitments and things like that, which I've had all the way through from probably 8081, uh, all the way through there, just been a long distance driver, and, uh, which I love driving. And uh, the last five years I've decided to get all that turned around, and uh, I've told that if I don't do something, I'm going to wake up one of these days and blink, look at the sunshine, and I'm going to be 60. So that's well, well on the way. So um, no, I, I, I do want to get back into it. Um, I, I need to do that for myself. Uh, forget about what we've done in, in yesterday. It's a whole new ball game now. All these young fellas and that. But I think if you've got what it takes um, and you still got that desire and you want to do it and you want to do it bad enough. Um, you can call your way back, no matter it's motor racing or uh, any form of sport, business or whatever. So, yeah, I want to uh, get back to it, have a have a bit of a run, um, aim to get back into it, or try and get a, a Guernsey, have a bit of a run towards the end of the year, early next year, and, and I would really like to try and do a season, which I've never, well, I did back in '82, and I've done it myself and, and my father, and dragged this white Commodore around with a panel van and a they try it all around the place, and uh, yeah, I'd like to try and do that. So I guess at the end of the day, it'll be up to what I want to do, and, and uh, if I'm good enough. And of course, in addition to the car this year, will be a P-plate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that's uh, that's absolutely correct. I had a license for uh, five years, and with all due respect to all the guys that do it and make it happen, but. I had to go back on the P-plate, so I had to do, uh, get on the internet, and I'm, I'm computer literate. I don't want to know about it, I'd rather get out and do the other bit of it. So we had to do do all this stuff and and actually fail on, on one one uh, flag. And that was a double dip because I thought, hang on here a minute. I, I was right, but I was wrong. So I got a guy in Melbourne and I said, get on that manual. This, this is exactly what happened. I said, I need to know. So then I put two answers in. The guy rang me back, he said, hang on, that's not quite right. I said, well, tell me which is wrong and which is right. He said, well, technically, you did read it. Uh, you were right. But, yeah, I won that one, got me licence. Well, I'm on professional, we've got to wear a little plate. I've got to get me signatures done five times, and then I'll get a normal licence, and then I can um, get the cracking and see where I end up after that. But, yeah, I'm on plate. <laughs> 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 Okay, David, David, you want to move now on to... Uh, no, you're, you're right now, Andy. Okay. Andrew Medici. Why the mad, Andy? Oh, look, I got that reputation most undeservedly. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> and it was a Kiwi, Kiwi that said I was mad, so don't count that, do you? <laughs> but um, you raced open wheelers for several years, or quite a few years. That was your passion at the time. Well, it was, and uh, I suppose the uh, only way I ever got to bat is that I, go, I had to go and um, buy a touring car because nobody was going to give me a drive because I was a. What do they say in the old days? Open wheels are for shearers. Oh! <laughs> 87 in the, in the race day, one with uh, Rocky and uh, Peter McLeod. Uh, you lit the Little Mary Chaser of Wild and Oxo Cubes, Sierra. Yeah, yeah, I did, and that was uh, well, that was great, and it was it was great to lead lead the great race, and it probably made my my name. I think it probably you know I was 40 then, or 39, I think it was, and it was taking me a long time to get up to Bathurst. That was my the first time I'd actually started a race there, and so yeah, that was great. Life went on after that. After that, did you have any offers on it to to uh, you know, get other drives? Yeah, I ran my own team. I brought uh, the Stone Brothers across to Australia. I'd known Ross and Jimmy from the time I used to go and race in the Peter Sarson series in New Zealand. I'll put you off not to kill you. A couple of Kiwis again. But anyway, uh, yeah, after, after that, but I was, uh, I think in the 80, in the eighties, I was, I was had long had a business, had a, had a Ford dealership, which at the time was licensed to print money, but I wasn't there long enough for it. I wasn't there enough to make it print too much. And uh, I had uh, started building that and trying to run a race team which is based in Queensland. So we all got pretty hard. So about in 99, I, did, I started to disband my team and I went to drive for Peter, which is where I started. You know, well, I got to know Skippy, but Skippy was in the team at the time. And Skippy and I drove what was left over, didn't we, mate? We <laughs> and then after that, for me, it was uh, long distance drive, and, and which was good. I really enjoyed it. And it's, 
it's been a great privilege to come here and uh, race this this fantastic track. You, you raced here only a couple of years ago, didn't you? 2003 was my last racing, yeah. And that was in a career of crop. Hated that because I had to pay for it. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, Andy. Moving right along, yeah. we go up to young Gary Rogers. Yeah. I remember the young lady watching this man pass in the Ford Escort. That was something like it. Yeah. Yeah. He was wild. Yeah. How yeah. many people there can remember that? Yeah. Not many. And that was Gary. And uh, he then moved on to Trailers and the Commodores. And I, I, I think, um, I've said this to him before, and he's not real sure, so I'm going to take a lot of <laughs> I'm sure he's had two, if not three, uh, privateer winners with him in the great race. Um, which is a big thing, as Gary didn't run his own cars a lot, he was with other people and other cars, and he always had so much pace, and almost always turned up in the top ten shootout with these privateer cars. And I've always thought at the time, this place got what it takes. Never quite got their win as a driver, but he certainly uh, turned the tails a bit when he, when he went in as a team owner and did what I think it's a magnificent thing, turned in, he, he, he stopped his driving and he formed his own team. In 2000 he won the race up here as a team owner with uh, Jason Barguana and Garth Tander and after that he'd won the, the uh, two Bathurst 24 hour races with the Monaro and that must have been a big thrill to you Gary. Well life's been a big thrill Brian, I've had a great time, I've just been blessed from the day I was born I think and uh, I've enjoyed what I've done and I've had some I've had some success and failure, but I think failure teaches you success anyway. And just uh, the 2000 win was great, but I think the 24-hour race, even though it perhaps doesn't have the same accolades as the 1000 does, I think was a greater achievement than the 1000 because to be able to build those cars in the time span we had, and to be able to get them there, particularly the second year with two of them with eight egotistical drivers and their wives and girlfriends and hangers on every other prick that comes up their skirts. And to control them all for 24 hours, let me tell you, that's why I'm a gibbering wreck. And I'm telling you, I am kidding. I didn't see him disappear. What did you say? <laughs> Gary, um, you, you mentioned the eight, eight drivers, and they, they were two very, very good cars, weren't they? And there's one guy in that pit bionic which is single out, and oh, we don't like doing this, but he's a local guy, he's not here tonight, but um, he said to say hello to him, that's uh, young Al, Alan Urquhart. Uh, yeah, I mean, that was just terrific. The, Alan Urquhart's a young guy that lived in Bathurst, and he used to work in the Ute series, and he kept pestering me for jobs for about three years, and I kept giving him the arse, and then eventually he came along, we gave him a job, and I can't actually remember if it was the first year when we ran one car, the second year, but the dip was flying out of the car. He jumped underneath and happened to find it. Everyone else had forgotten about it. And without him, we wouldn't have won the race. And he worked with us. He only left a year ago, and he's back living here in Bathurst. And he was just one of the nicest young blokes you'd ever meet. And as always happens, a Sheila buggers your life. So he's met the Sheila. Big, big tits, you know, all the things that don't look cool. So I lose a mechanic and he gets a Sheila. He's going to be racing too. <laughs> Aaron, this is something we're going to point out to you at this point in time. Her father is the president of the RSL Club. The father is. Right, shut the RSL Club immediately. How's the interview going? What's going on here? Yarrick, you've beaten Gary, um, over your career as a driver, did you regret that you didn't win, say, a, a touring car championship or a, a Bellas 1000? I wouldn't say I regret it. I mean, you would love to have those things that you that you would have achieved. But I mean, you gave it your best shot, and what happened happened. And I enjoyed every event I went in, and you had a bit of grief, and you had a bit of success, and you know, you get what you get. And I got to say that I'm happy with what I've got. Someone up there today in the uh, media conference said you always have the pretty girls. That was you, Andy. That was Andy. He was always trying to pinch me, Sheila. Everyone went. But mind you, he did succeed only occasionally. <laughs> <laughs> we'll move along there and uh, Wayne Rogers. Thanks, Brian. Just like before you go, I yeah, just look, would like to say um, I mean, I go to a lot of race meetings, but to see. Today, I know it's early days and it hasn't happened and there'll be a long way to go yet, but to, for the people that have put in 
and the crowd that's here tonight and everyone else to try and get something like this to work, I think it's just outstanding. And I think I hate councils and I hate politicians, I hate all those people. But in fairness to the council, I reckon they've done a fair job. And to the promoters, I'd just like to say well done. And I think if you've got the guts enough to keep going, I think in five or ten years we might be surprised what happens here. Thanks very much. Okay, Wayne Rogers, you might remember this, but I was at Oran Park one night and a meeting in a white trap and hit me. It took me right off the track. I'm, I'm, never I'm never forgiving you for that. But I was in the wrong. <laughs> Wayne, you've been around a long time. You, you're really um, very well known racing the Jubilee, Jubilee Ford Falcon, Sportsman races. That was a mighty year, wasn't it? Yes, it was a really wonderful year. Um, but I've just got to say, I don't know what I'm doing amongst these blokes. Uh, don't you worry, but you're up there, you're up there among them all. So uh, people that are old enough for me to remember can testify to that. You then moved on to touring cars, Madrow too mainly. You, you won a class up here, didn't you, one year? Uh, yeah, we. Well, I, I think I like to think we won twice, but they, someone discredited the, the laps, and uh, mm -hmm. we only won once. <laughs> but 72 was the the best race I've ever had. It was the driving 500 all the way by yourself and. It's a really great race. I mean, you can make it two if you like. Bob Holden changed his age that many times to suit himself. He might have changed the wins. But 73 we ended up winning with Bernie Hammond. And the top little car of the Mazda? Absolutely brilliant, yeah. And you're racing up here in, in that again this weekend or in, in an Irish tour this weekend? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, we've been running in historic touring now for four years. And um, uh, thanks to one of the guys up home, a few people might know Dick Willis, um, very prolific historic driver and he took me back to Lakeside before it closed and uh, and I purposely stayed away from my race for 27 years or something um, because I knew what had happened and he took me back and here we go. Midlife crisis. Midlife crisis. Actually. Second childhood. Yeah, and you were joining this weekend up here? Absolutely brilliant. Um, I, as I said at the, the, the press conference I wasn't quite sure where I was because I didn't recognise any other place. No. It's changed that much because um, 73 was the last time I was here, which is 33 years, and I don't really count that much. <laughs> and, uh, well, Wayne, thank you, and thank you for the dent in the back of my mini. <laughs> I, I really apologise, but I don't remember doing that. I've been left the second time, I think, mate. Thank you. Graham Moore. I took Graham, it's uh, been a long time since you've started out. Yeah? I'm not going to make you sound old, you started young also. I am old, yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I had my first drive here in 65 in a um, Cooper S with Ray Collider, commonly known sometimes I think in the old days as Ray Collider. Um, but we finished the race, it was a great, great time. And uh, I think, I don't know how many times I've been here, but probably 26 or 28 races I've done here. So um, it's a great place, great racetrack. And, uh, Enjoyed every time. Of course, Graham, a lot of other racetracks too you raced at. Um, I mentioned Oran Park there, Wayne, and uh, the Toby Lee series. That was a, a, a big part of motorsport in them days, wasn't it? Yeah, it was great. Um, Toby Lee brought great crowds, great racing, and um, it was one of the highlights every time you went to uh, Oran Park. Toby Lee would put on a great show, so um, we had good fun there. Actually, beat Brock there once in a um, actually won and uh, also the Amaru series that was a great series too plenty of crash and bash and good racing up there so um, they were fun days yeah. I guess you, you look back at um, I'm not too sure of the year but one of the super touring 1000s you put the deal together to bring out the, the Williams Renault team that, was that, were they fond memories? yeah that was, it was all hard work um, we went Malloy and Terry Paul who was here tonight and helped us a lot in motorsport um, we went to England and uh, we bought the Vectra the year before and ran the Vectra in the Super Touring Championships and then we got this crazy idea of bringing the Williams Touring Car Team here and uh, we, we, we were told we wouldn't do it which made us more you know, persistent to make sure it happened and um, cost lots of money, lots of grief, lots of long hours on the facts in those days and um, we ended up signing a contract with Frank Williams and got the whole deal together huge, huge operation. Um, great for me uh, to do it, just not even the driving part of it, just getting the, the whole deal together. 
and um, it was good with Alain Menu and, and Jason Plato. They were great, really true professional guys. Um, Jonesy drove with me and qualified the car, and uh, I got 12 laps all week. And then they said Saturday night uh, you're going to start the race tomorrow. So, so thanks, guys. And uh, but it was good. It was great, a great experience, and uh, it's just another nice contribution to um, you know Australian motorsport. The last time you raced a battles, you were a class winner. Yeah, we, we ran the 2003 24-hour race in a future tour, and uh, we ran 10th outright and first in class. It was great. Drove with Terry Bosenjack and Steve Williams. Um, drove eight hours. Not bad for an old guy. We sort of hung in there all day, and it was a great, great result. Well, thank you, Graham. Thanks, Moving along to the last of the bikies, Kevin Bartlett. What? Last of the bikies, mate. Of course. All the way down. Doesn't everybody do that? All the way down from Queensland on his motorbike yesterday. Fantastic. Day before me. Kevin, um, been a long road. Yeah, but it rained on me. <laughs> Day on his parade. Been a long road. Um, I know a lot of people would like me to ask you tonight. People have seen it written. Was it or was it not Mum's Morris Mine? Absolutely. Would you drive your own? <laughs> <laughs> Come on. Well said. From that point, I was you, you. You moved up through the ranks and you got into open wheelers. Uh, them days, everyone seemed to want to go towards open wheelers as the number one, number one category. They are the number one category. Andrew will attest to that. <laughs> and and you. Um, driving the, with a Lynx. Were you working at Lynx or built the car? I, uh, uh, actually, I got employed by Lynx to be uh, a gopher originally. Um, and being a gopher, I... Uh, I don't do this. You've got to do it, Kev. Have I got to do this? Do I have to drink it? Oh, good. Ah. We've been severely interrupted here. <laughs> For what reason I don't know. Be is fattening and I lost. <laughs> So did you, Brian? Where were He used to be a friend. What am I doing with this? Promised I wouldn't. I promised I wouldn't bring up the Channel Six Camaro, but it's my. He got back at me immediately. That's unbelievable. Um, the uh, yes, the uh, back to back to history, and uh, that's what we're here for. We're, we're here for the history of this circuit and people that have tended it and looked at it and played at it and done all of the things that you, uh, as a racing driver, want to do, and that is attack such a mountain. Um, terrific and uh, I don't think we ever had the opportunity with the Lynx Formula Junior to to race at Bathurst. You may be able to help me on that one. Uh, I can't remember us racing the Formula Junior Lynx here. However, I was employed by them as a test driver, the gopher. I helped to build the cars. I helped to test the cars. I helped to build the engines. We manufactured all of our own stuff and uh, that was a great start for me uh, with Lynx because the number of people that drove Lynxes and, and in fact the, the old chap alongside me here had a Lynx with a supercharged Peugeot engine in it. So he was an open wheeler driver so he didn't hit me in the arm like other people were going to do about open wheelers. Is that right Andrew? Andrew back me up please. Thank you. Kevin, um Alec Milburn came along then. Yeah, Alec Milburn was a was a was a, a terrific driver in his own right. He uh, supported me, helped me, tutored me, chastised me, and paid me pretty well. Uh, it was uh, it was one of the one of the paths that uh, lucky people get 
you have to have a little bit of give with that but uh, you get more than you give in those situations and um, I'm, I'm forever in debt to uh, to the memory of Alec that he uh, supported me for as long as he did and, and in the way he did gave me fabulous motor cars to drive all of the time there was never any stint about what we were going to spend on a motor car if it was going to do the job if it wasn't there was nothing spent on it and uh, no he was he was the mentor for sure none of them left now it's uh, it's so commercial now that uh, it's a little bit doggy dog in those same situations but uh, then it was an individual doing what he wanted to do with his own team in the manner that he used to drive himself uh, uh, an Australian champion and he wanted that to continue. And I won't dwell on the 100 mile per hour lap because I, I, I speak to you on the air, I, I bring that up. But that was one hell of a race meeting up here and uh, yourself and Spencer Martin turning on lap after lap. You yourself keep saying it. Spencer also did the 100 mile lap, hour lap. You were the first one to do it. I don't know how many people ever saw that race meeting up here, but God, they turn on you. No, it is. Like they were open that had a death wish. Yeah, well, we were young and crazy, I can tell you that. Uh, I've seen some photographs from it afterwards, and Spence gave racing away not long after that. <laughs> um, there were there were some spectacular moments, let me tell you. Uh, if you've ever tried to run one of those 2.5 litre treaded tyre non-wing cars up the hill with no fencing, and you were brushing the grass on the outside, uh, you knew there weren't too many people crazy enough to do that. But it was the only way to win 100 bottles of champagne. <laughs> and uh, being the first to crack the 100 mile an hour lap was worth 100 bottles of champagne, wasn't it? And that was in practice. And then they put up 100 bottles of champagne to crack the 100 mile an hour lap officially in the race. We got that. <laughs> and then, and then, there's more. There was a hundred bottles of champagne donated by Ron Hudson for the winner of the race. Have a guess. <laughs> Three hundred bottles. And let me tell you, let me tell you this. After winning 300 bottles of champagne on the one weekend, I now understand why they spray it on podiums. <laughs> Kevin, you, you went into uh, Formula 5000 as, as anyone else did at the time. I can remember you up here and Don Holland just reminded me of this fact because I was up there that day as well. 1976, when Jackie Stewart was here in Bathurst, evaluating Mount Panorama as a possible Formula 1 circuit. Good year put this on. You had uh, the Formula 1 up, the Formula 1 car up, the Formula, the Formula 5000 car up there, as did the Lola, as did the late Max Stewart. And Spencer Martin was up there, drove one of the cars on the day. That must have been a special day too. Uh, the 5000s were a weapon around here, let me tell you. Uh, we geared them for uh, 192 mile an hour, I think. And we were so close to the rev limit it wasn't funny. So they were well over 185 mile an hour down the straight and it was the old straight without the kink, of course. And you could never do it with a kink. Um, and uh, yeah, it was a severe exercise in bravery, let me tell you, because uh, Jackie Stewart was... Uh, was invited to drive one of the cars and he looked at us and he said you think I'm that bloody stupid <laughs> but it was a good promotion and uh, yeah the cars absolutely flew here um, uh, I mean you've got to remember that the, the, the cars were set up for, for short circuits like Warwick Farm where you where you heat the tyres all the time but at Bathurst of course you would um, you would have one turn to turn in to go up mountain straight so your tyres would start to warm up not heat up, warm up by the time you got to XL you had no traction at all so you had a cold set of tyres by the time you got to turn into XL so uh, it was a futile exercise in the, in the real sense that you couldn't do a great time but it was an exercise in once you got across the once you went across the top of the mountain 
even with the wings adjusted up as hard as you could go, the car would skate all over the place. And uh, it was decided by Jackie Stewart that there is no way that a bloody Formula One car is ever going to see this place. His words. Okay, well, we'll come back to you tomorrow. We're going to ask questions in a moment here. We'll move along to the little fellow beside you, who's also a next man. But before we do, let's tell people a funny story. I was involved many years ago in car rallies and car trials. I was sitting out on a control one night on a hill called Mount Horrible, and it was aptly named, I tell you. And next thing down the hill, you could hear this car coming, rocks were flying, it was out of control. We leapt across the road, knocked that table over, and this guy's pulled into the uh, into the control on the red and white HR hole. Remember that? <laughs> you might remember that point, but I remember that night you were the rally killed. Bob Holden, yeah. um, two anniversaries here this year for you, 40 years since you won the great race with uh, Renault and the Morris Cooper S in 1966. You won that race and uh, I think it made, made you the king of the little kids because you love the little cars. That's all I can afford. <laughs> it goes back further than that though. In 1956, you had your first race of us. 50 years this year. Still racing the race. Yeah, that was um, quite an interesting one. It was a long time ago in Persia. But uh, I think, what, what year did you say it was? I don't remember six or Well, there was actually, I don't remember too much about that one, but I know we drove it overland from overland in those days from Melbourne. To such extent at one stage we finished up, um, parked it in the middle of a railway line going through the fence, which we eventually got charged for. <laughs> We're very good at these government things, charging for things, I can tell you. I had a lamppost I had to pay for not long ago too. But, um, <laughs> Most expensive things around, I can tell you. Now, the 203 era was pretty brilliant. I think I started that in about 1950. And we raced everywhere. And we used to have one fun thing. The hill climbs in Victoria, there was Rob Roy, Templestow, and Hepburn Springs, I think it was. And we managed to, in those days, the only prize money you got was about £5, but only if you broke the previous class record. So you had to try and organise your climb so you beat the class record by a hundredth of a second or a nose, they probably measured them in tenths at the most, or at least or whatever. But uh, it was the only way you could do it. So you organise had to sort of do this every week you had to get this little tiny bit off the off the record. Otherwise it made it too hard to break it next time. So uh, that was quite interesting. I think I held all the records and all the class records that every every hill climb. The only one that beat me, Harry Firth came up one day in a bloody Hillman Minx and beat, knocked me off one, one day, but I got him the next time, so... <laughs> All those sort of things, actually it's a, a good thing generally, and I hope I've worked on this great big Falcon truck I've got to drive, but um, one thing that hill climbs did do for us, and a lot of race drivers will, I think, can verify this, it helps you with starts. Because in a hill climb, if you don't get the start right, you may as well do a U-turn and go back, because you know, you're never going to catch up unless you make the start. Well, the Lynx Peugeot gave you the opportunity to race against some pretty big names. Yeah, that was a wonderful era. Um, pretty frightening in a homemade car. And, uh, I don't know if Kevin, Kevin ever got to the stage. It was a homemade... Yeah, not the when I, bits that I saw weren't always <laughs> But nevertheless, there's an interesting thing about this which only came up only about two years ago. Uh, when I arrived, this particular Lynx was the last, the, sort of the last one they ever built. And it was honestly the best one. I'm, I'm pretty sure about that. There's too many people sort of have done so well with it. It made me, it sent me broke, so Colin Bond eventually got it and made himself a good name out of it. But prior to this, when we finished the car, I think we finished it on a Tuesday night in Sydney, Monday night in Sydney, on a trailer, off to Melbourne to get to the boat to go to Tasmania for the Longford Tasman race. Australia. Yeah, you're pretty right. Anyway, uh, that was pretty frightening. Thursday practice, of course, I went out and I think the first timed 
section down the straight was at 178 miles an hour in a home, in a, what I call a homemade motor car. And that was pretty bloody frightening, I can tell you. But um, the intriguing thing was, Bruce McLaren was there, of course, with the rest of the internationals. And he came up to me and he said, where did that car come from? And I said, oh, it was built by a group in Sydney. He said, I don't believe it. That car is on Cooper's drawing board in England at this moment. Now, it interested him so much that every time I went out in a session of practice or a race or whatever, right through the whole weekend, he wanted to, he, he came to ask me about the car, what it was doing and all the usual things that good engineers do. Most of the time I didn't know much about it, but I was able to tell him. And he'd say, well, do this, do that, try this. Next time I come back in, you want to know whether it worked. All that sort of stuff, which was absolutely marvellous for someone like myself being a touring car driver, all of a sudden in a real motor car. <laughs> anyway, the intriguing thing that happened, or a couple of things happened, but the most intriguing thing was, only a couple of years ago, somebody found on the internet somewhere in the world a photograph of Bruce McLaren about to leave the pit row at Sandown in that car. And I don't remember it at all. It's incredible, really, that such a thing can happen. But the other silly thing about that weekend was that I was towing the links with my racing 403 sedan, of course. What else could I do? Identical engines, both interchangeable. And we, in fact, broke the race car's engine on the Friday. The important race for the touring car was on Saturday. So we used to put the sedan on the Saturday, pulled the motor out Saturday night, put it in the race car, ran the touring the Tasman race, then had to put the whole bloody thing back together to tow it home. <laughs> so that's, that to me is what motor racing was. In those days, road motor racing was an absolute sport. Uh, Kevin will fit and fill me in on that one, right? Absolutely. But, but really, now it's commercial mayhem, I reckon, with the major ones. But and that is why I'm so happy to be here this weekend. And the last, or the last year or so, working with Justin Matthews, we've been to all the major... To, um, historical races and it's just like old times it really is wonderful to see the people that have um, battened on you'd be surprised how many come out of the woodwork at race meetings it's, it's amazing I must be the ugliest bastard in the world because everybody seems to remember me it's quite scary actually <laughs> but um, you know, it really is a special situation you call them hysterical races isn't you? Oh, well, you, always, you always used to. No, I probably still do. Yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> well, well, the main, main thing, quite frankly, initially I was worried about historical races because there wasn't a terrible lot of control and I always worried about wearing someone's wheel or some car that hadn't been prepared or scrutinised properly and that kept me away from it for some time. Fortunately, Justin and, and Paul kept me in, together in the BMWs for five or six years which kept me away from it, which was good at that time but lately now the whole program is really really well looked after well run and very very safe the driving standards are good they're getting better <laughs> is that right or wrong <laughs> right thank you sir <laughs> we might ask us any any questions these poor old buggers have said i'm going to go have a sleep and um Bob agrees that the driving stance is improving uh, thanks to Kevin's appearance and race control at the historic race meetings. Uh, but Kevin, one pose to you, and uh, I've asked you this before, but not in the same audience. The old uh, last, uh, one of the last service paradise, uh, I think it was either Stuyvesant or Peter, uh, Stuyvesant or Rothman series races, the old uh, Pink Poodle Motel Party. Organised by uh, <laughs> Carl Allison. The question is, we've also—I've seen the photo, and you've got one at home, I'm sure. Yeah, you did. Whose dress was it you were wearing? 
These people would love to know. It's not a nice question because both of my sons are here tonight and I might be reported. <laughs> I can fax them a photo. <laughs> yes, it, um, it was an accident. Um, <laughs> they're all accidents, aren't they? Exactly. So probably so are the sons. It was. It was a bit. <laughs> Can I say that? <laughs> you can say anything you like at this stage. Uh, the, the answer to the question is uh, bugger off. <laughs> but I know the answer. You want me to tell them? Uh, no, 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 no. No? Okay. You owe me one. Uh, we'll get even at uh, Warwick. Uh, but I'm in charge. <laughs> uh, uh. <laughs> Okay, any more questions please? <laughs> okay, you wouldn't let David ask a question, but as I'm not manager of the club, I can ask the question. I would like each of these gentlemen to ask a question of Naito. No, 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 Sharon, this is not my night, this is. No, it's not uh, your night, no. but I think they could... Uh, each and every one of them come up with a oh, very interesting question uh, for a response. I won't be answering the question, so we're going to leave these guys here, the legends, deservedly so, and they deserve to be up here. There will be a question that no, they will have to answer lately, and that's more, how that picture uh, came about. But. Kevin, 74, yourself and John Goss won the, uh, the race up here, the great race in the Falcon. You were standing on the podium with a little kid there next to you. I wonder that. That hey, that's it. very true, and in fact, uh, somebody gave me a photograph today, and that little kid's in the photograph. Stand up, little kid. Very, very good. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, thank you. My other little kid's up the back there, but he's... Yeah, sorry. <laughs> okay, any more questions, please? Are we going to make this uh, weekend a permanent thing? Come on guys, let's get back to the old, good old days. Okay? Nothing against the young blokes because I've got a nice young bloke up here behind me, I think the world of. But I'd like to see good racing out on the track and not all this thump bump and pushing you off and... Okay? Let's make it a go up. Why don't we ask Gary Rogers that? Just one quick question to Gary. I mean, Gary, you're still involved at the top level now as a team owner. What what happens? All this carnage? Is it red mist or just bad driving or just accidents? Brian, I don't think it's fair to say that it only happens now. It happened back then too. Exactly. But I think the calibre of the crashes are, are much greater because the competition's much closer. And I agree with the lady. I think it'd be great to make sure this type of activity continues. But but whether you like it or whether you don't, we live in the 2006 era and we're in a commercial world and so on as well, except that you need a bit of both and can combine the two and in particular nurture the 2006 industry that creates the money so as these events can happen. But, you know, you're, you're living in the past if you think this is all you can have because this isn't all you can have. You need to have both. Gary, I, I totally agree with you, and I love the V8s. Nobody can say that I don't, and I don't tell you. But can't we have decent racing in the V8s where, I mean, there was always going to be a little paint swapping, I understand that, but it must cost you guys that own teams thousands upon thousands of dollars. Yeah, millions. And I don't think there's any need for that. I, like anybody else, like a nice, close, hard-fought race. But I don't like to see cars get put into walls, turned over and hope to God that the driver's going to get out okay. So what's the question? <laughs> <laughs> what you've got to understand is that the corner speeds of these cars today, touring cars go around corners faster than open wheel cars ever did. And it's very close and it's hard. And no one wants the the damage that's sustained because it is very expensive but look there's a lot at stake and 
today with TV ratings and everything else that goes on and sponsorship money, everyone's having as big a go as they can. And to be quite frank, I don't think there's enough aggression. I think they're a pack of sooks. There was more there was more paint rubbing and bashing when went on in the seventies and eighties and the early nineties than there is today. What happens today is when it does happen, the speed's so great it happens badly. But back then you could because the biggest problem you got is the aero effect of the cars. Back in the eighties you didn't have that. So you could lean on each other and push each other and you'd get a bit sideways or a bit lengthways, but most blokes who could drive a car a little bit would recover. But today because of the speeds they don't recover and that's why you have the crashes. But the risk of boring it. What I said before is we're in 2006 and that's what we've got. Yeah. 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 Karen, they call it rubbing. Sorry? They call it rubbing. I'll see you about that later, Karen. <laughs> <laughs> legends, I, I call you that without any jest. You are all legends and we thank you all very, very much Number one for attendance here tonight, but also attending the WPS Brothers International Motor Festival, because it's one of them I hope really kicks on. Good point, hang on, before we go, just... I don't want to be the spokesman for the group, but just a special thank you to you because you do a lot of work and I'm sure you don't get paid for it and you get on the radio and you get up there and waffle all that crap and, and all that. Seriously, to, to, there isn't, isn't too many people in Australia or anywhere in the world that could recall the dates, the names and the places yeah. the way you do. And yeah. I think you've done a lot for motorsport and well done. Uh, just before you go, gentle, uh, gentlemen, uh, our marketing manager, or the club's marketing manager, Gina, who has helped put this evening together, uh, would just like to make a, a small presentation. Probably not in the league of uh, what happens in uh, the V8 uh, today. But um, I'd just like to uh, thank the legends for coming along tonight and for being in Bathurst uh, this weekend. We've got a bit of competition uh, down south. But I think this has uh, been a great weekend so far. And a special thanks to Nido for hosting uh, uh, the function tonight. And of course, uh, if the council hadn't have got behind this um, event, um, we wouldn't be here tonight. And I agree that we do want it to go on to uh, bigger and better things. But uh, thank you, gentlemen, uh, for being with us. And I hope everyone's enjoyed the evening so far. Yeah.